Hello, and welcome to the next edition of MDD's Claims Interviews. Today, in the hot seat, almost in my seat, is Rob Galley from SCORE. Rob, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Always good to see you, Barry, and thanks for having me. So it's quite unique with these interviews that I actually have the interviewee in the same office as me, but it just tells you that things are starting to get better around COVID. So we're side by side today, which means I can look you in the eyes and see whether your answers are really honest. We'll find out as we go. So we're going to start where we always start with how you came to be in the insurance industry. So tell us all about that. Yeah, so I think like your previous interviewee, you know, it's something that I stumbled into. There's um, a surprise. At school, I, I wasn't massively focused or driven, it's fair to say, I think, but I did do better in my exams than I thought I would do. And I ended up somehow at university and then left university and still wasn't sure what I wanted to do, like a lot of people, I think, and ended up working night shifts at Asda. And after a year of that, i kind of realised that this wasn't the life for me and ended up seeing an advert in a local newspaper for Royal Sun Alliance. They were looking for just insurance people. It wasn't any more specific than that. Went along for an interview, understood what the claims part was about, didn't have a clue what the underwriting part was about. So they offered me the choice and I went with what I, what I understood, which was claims, and then began my career at Royal Sun Alliance and, and met my wife, actually, on day one. She didn't stay in insurance very long, but here I am, still here. Fantastic. So you started at Asda, I started at Tesco's. Yeah. The similarities in our <laughs> careers are probably incredible. So you've been at school for a while now. Tell us what it's like working there. Yeah, I'm enjoying SCORE. It's a large company. It's the fourth largest reinsurer in the world, I think. But it doesn't feel like a big company. And and I mean that in a good way. The claims team that I work in is very tight knit. It's not a large claims team. We all know each other very well, which has got a nice feel about it. And, you know, SCORE's logo or or whatever you want to call it is the, the art and science of risk. And I think that's what insurance is about. It's a little bit of art. It's a little bit of science. And I like a bit of art and I like a bit of science. So that fits pretty well with me. There's a technical underwriting focus at school, which I enjoy. Claims is very much um, integral to the business. So I've just come from a meeting just now where it's the onshore energy underwriting team and they want to know what the claims guy thinks. You know, that it, it's an integral part of the overall business. Recently, there's a new CEO at school, Laurent Rousseau, who I think is younger than me. The sense I get there is that it's a young, dynamic person that's going to bring a lot of ideas to school. And, you know, the key values of, of school, which Martin Clark alluded to in one of the first interviews about, as you get older, you want to feel that you're aligned with the uh, values of the company you work for. So, you know, school are a very responsible uh, investment, sustainable development. And they've really shown actually through the COVID crisis over the last couple of years, the way they've handled it and really looked after the welfare of its employees. It makes you feel closer to the company that you work for if you feel that they actually do care about you. That makes a big difference. Yeah, and as I said, claims, absolutely integral part of the business, which is important for me. You want to feel that your views count for something and that you're listened to. And then lastly, I'd say about SCORE, it's truly a global company. It's very multicultural, very diverse, you know, liaising with people from all countries, languages, backgrounds, everything. So that keeps it interesting. I've got to say, Rob, 
you do reach a certain stage in your career where most people are younger than you. So (laughs) let's not see it as too much of a shock. Now, look, I know you in the marketplace as one of the, the best energy guys out there. So tell me, what is it you really enjoy about energy claims? I do enjoy energy claims, and most of my career so far has been on the energy side. I have dabbled with other lines of business and enjoyed that. But yeah, I think, you know, let's be honest, it's big things blowing up. That's always interesting. It's big money. This stuff matters. A lot of the claims I've been involved with have been very relevant in terms of newsworthiness, the media. So whether it's, you know, Deepwater Horizon or US windstorms, we just had Hurricane Ida recently or a Chilean earthquake or something like that, it's all relevant. And you get to work with, you know, real mix of backgrounds and professions. So it's really interesting to meet engineers and scientists and accountants and, and all sorts of people with different skill sets and knowledge to you. And travel is a good part of it. I've been lucky enough to go to some places around the world that maybe I wouldn't have got to go to if I hadn't have worked in the energy sphere and it's an ever-evolving environment energy that the technologies that are utilized are always changing we've got the shift from sort of traditional oil and gas or natural resources to renewable technologies so it's always changing so that keeps things interesting i've got to say i'm i'm already troubled by this interview because you sound way too enthusiastic (laughs) you know this is a sad world that we all work in it's about things that go wrong you're making it sound great Obviously, you're in a leadership role at school. Tell me what you like about being a leader. So I think leadership is a privilege. It does bring with it an element of power. But with that comes uh, responsibility. And I like that responsibility. You know, it gets you a seat at the table. So it gives you the ability to get your views across. And it enables you to affect change. It enables you to help those around you. And I think, as I say, it is a privilege. And in terms of the actual claims handling itself, I mean, I've only really worked at companies or syndicates where we do retain a lead role in the market. So I haven't done that kind of follower type role. But I think some of your previous interviewees have said it. when you're handling the claims, you want to be there affecting the claims themselves and you want to be at the table negotiating, influencing and having an impact. I think this thing around having a place at the table in running the business, being involved in how the business is making decisions is really important and has changed massively in terms of claims representation over the the last decade or so. That's great news to hear in terms of how progressive SCORE are. So in terms of what's going on at SCORE, have you got any plans uh, for the future at SCORE that you can share with us that you're excited about? Yeah, I've not at the moment got any sort of massive plans to do anything particularly differently. But I, I think, as I said, we've got a new CEO, Lauren Rousseau's come in and he's got a lot of ideas. And in the energy piece itself, you know, we're looking to be more of a leader. We're looking to, to write bigger lines, which is exciting. And the energy transition piece itself, the move away from traditional models to more, you know, renewable technologies. That's interesting because it means you've got to learn new things and that keeps things fresh. So I'd like to do more travel with the job, as I think most people probably do. More Um, holidays abroad. I wouldn't say that, but uh, (laughs) there's still some places left to see. So I really enjoy getting over to the Paris office. I think Paris is a great city, so I'm looking forward to getting back. And, and seeing, you know, many of my colleagues are based in, in Paris and it's a wonderful city. It's a lovely office. 
fantastic restaurant. <laughs> you have got you have got me smiling here because I, I can recall talking to colleagues when I was at Marsh about business trips and how did they go and they tell me all about their sightseeing. I wanted to know whether they'd resolved the claim or not. So it always makes me smile, but I know the business always comes first. Tell me about what makes a great claims handler. What, what's your opinion on that? I mean, I've had a few opinions over the last year or so. What's your view? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And I think there's a lot of different attributes that go into a good claims handler. I think, and I mean this in a positive way, but it, for me, it is more of a jack of all trades role than a very specialist role. And I think that you see that play out quite often in real life in terms of sometimes you'll deal with a lawyer, you'll deal with an engineer, and they will go really super detailed or super focused on a particular issue. And I see my job on the claim side as really as resolving things. That's really what I see myself as being paid for. It's bringing technical, difficult, large, complex claims to a resolution. And that's not easy. And I think a great claims handler is able to take on board a huge amount of information from a huge variety of experts and really get to the nub of what the issue is. It doesn't matter whether it's an insurer or a broker or a loss adjuster. If you're handling claims, you need to be able to cut through the guff, for want of a better word, and and get to the key, the nub of the issue. And I think the best claims handlers that I've worked with or come across are able to do that. They're able to, to understand the law, the engineering, the policy, how the insured business works. They're able to grasp all of that and then get to the core of what do we need to do to move this forward to get to a resolution that everyone can live with. So, you know, let's be honest, when I started out in claims, it was a back office function. Underwriting was, you know, the star of the show. I think it has changed. I think, you know, we're now paid properly. We're respected more. We aren't back office. We're, we're front facing. And we work with our colleagues in underwriting, risk engineering, accounting, whatever it may be, actuarial, to deliver a, a, a product. There's some great stuff in there in terms of things that would resonate with me. So uh, let's, let's just explore a little bit about why you think the way you do about certain things. And let's look at the influences on your career. So tell us about those. Do you mean in terms of people? people. Which, people? which people can we blame? Okay. So if I miss people out, then that's not intentional. Um, so don't read it. Oh my God, <laughs> is there a long list? I think you, well, you've interviewed some of the people that I'm going to mention. Oh, please don't um, say Martin Clark. I'm going to start with Martin Clark. <laughs> and I think probably some of the other people spent have also mentioned Martin as well. Yeah. I think in terms of people management as a, a person manager, I think Martin is excellent. I think you take something from everybody you work with, whether it's good or bad. You always you learn something from mm. everybody you work with. And I think when we were at Zurich together and I was reporting to him, I think he did a, a wonderful thing at the end of the day where he would just come and walk around the office. He'd do an office walk round, and he'd talk to everybody in the office, not mm. just the people that had the, the top-end jobs, but he'd talk to everybody in the office. And, and I know that the people that worked there really appreciated that. And I think part of that also came down from Pete Connors, who was the CEO at the time. And, you know, I can remember going to a my first kind of public speaking event for Zurich and, and being really quite nervous and him just pulling me aside and saying, look, you're going to be all right, Rob, you know what you're talking about. And and I think he, he bought me a, a, you know, a pint and a cigar or something like that and, <laughs> and said, come and join the other senior managers. And, mm. and I was quite junior at the time. And, and, and you, that kind of stuff does stick with you. Yeah. Steve Agata, I have to say Steve, because I think my first proper job in commercial insurance was AIG in Croydon. 
so I'd been probably in my mid-twenties. And I was interviewed by a, a chap called Norman Oakes, and he brought along a young claims adjuster called Steve Agata. And Norman said, I've brought Steve along because I want you to see how you could be if you join AIG. And it was, it was, you know, the money wasn't bad either, but, you know, it was <laughs> it was a real clincher. And, and you look at how Steve's done in the market and, you know, what he's doing now at Inigo and, and at AIG, the, the heights to which he ascended. And, and I think with Steve, he played a lot of football and he never picked me for the AIG football team. But anyway, you know, he, even on the football field, everyone would say a great leader, time for everybody, you know, and those types of managers for me, that, you know, they don't leave people out. It's a team thing. They're the best managers I've worked with. And, and I have to include, so I can't include everyone, but I'd have to say, you know, I've worked with Jeff Jones and Jeff, his ability to hold a room mm-hmm. and Gravitas. I think one of your previous interviews was talking about the importance of Gravitas and to get people to listen. Certainly that from him. And, you know, in my current role, Jonathan Clark brought me in and just Jonathan's energy and open-mindedness to, he's not just a claims guy, he looks at the entire spectrum of things, whether it's mathematics or law or whatever it may be, he's got a brilliant mind and he and he looks at all, all of those. And then I just would finish by saying there have been some people I've worked with, name you know, names that I've learned, you know, that's not how I want to be. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah. you learn something from everybody that you work with, and it's positive and negative. And I try um, and try and take something away from all the relationships that you have. In- oh well, so there's at least four or five people we can blame. So now, <laughs> now we know the names. I'll be writing to them after this interview. So let's just talk about high points and low points. Are there any particular of these that are worth mentioning? Yes, I think for me, it's always a high point when we bring a a resolution to particularly major losses where the the feedback from the client is that they are, you know, pleased with the result. And and it's also a a result that everyone can live with and is generally pleased with. So there's been a lot of those examples over the years. I don't don't think people realise sometimes how much emotion can go into the resolution of a major claim because generally speaking you've got a whole number of issues to work your way through you've got perhaps a broker arguing in one way you've got experts who've got their own views and then you've got your own position and quite often that's a commercial position and you're trying to find a solution and it can be quite emotional trying to get to where you want to get to and carry people maybe get the client to accept well Actually, that claim isn't quite what you think, but here's the reasons why. Those days when we do deals are generally hugely draining, but the euphoria at the end of the day when you end up in a place where everybody thinks that's probably the fair result. You know, those days sometimes are few and far between, but they are great days when they get there, aren't they? Absolutely agree, Barry. And as you say, there's sometimes a lot of pain to get to those resolutions. I've seen people crying because I've seen <laughs> throw things around him. Some of it's theatrical, but yeah, let's be honest, particularly some of the, you know, the really big claims. You, you, people's jobs are on the line sometimes. You know, companies can be relying on that claim to keep them afloat. So it matters to people and that introduces a degree of emotion, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think the main thing is that all parties are are looking to get a resolution and, you know, you have to have a degree of flexibility in your mindset in order to get there. And uh, it can be a painful process, but, you know, 
every claim gets resolved. There are, mm. I know, there are no claims out there that I'm aware of that, you know, been there for 50 years. You'll probably put me right now. No, 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 no. Well, I can think of a couple of South American claims <laughs> which hung around quite some time when I was at Marsh, but I think they were basically impossible to get settled. But uh, let's not talk about those. Let's talk about aspirations for the future. So I've decided you're older than I thought you were, but actually I'm sure there's plenty of juice left in the <laughs> tank. So what's your hopes for the future? Health and happiness, they're not easy things to always achieve. I think, you know, for both myself and my family that, you know, I think there's 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 still ambition in me work-wise. But, you know, that would be my number one thing, health and happiness of myself and my family. Work-wise, I've got a little bit of a niche that I haven't scratched in terms of working abroad. Oh. Yeah, I've, I've always... Um, which, always... which sort of holiday location? <laughs> Afghanistan, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I don't know which particular region. Obviously, if you're looking at energy insurance, mm. then you know you're looking really at yeah. Singapore, maybe Dubai, parts of Australasia, Paris. Maybe mm. I don't know. I've got a bit of an itch. I've n- never worked a role outside of the London market. Okay, so that's something that I wouldn't be adverse to. I'm very happy with what I'm doing. Score, you know, expanding in the energy sphere. So, driver for the business i like the people i work with we're going in the right direction so yeah i'm happy to keep on doing what i'm doing but yeah if an opportunity came up with score to to do something a bit different i'm, I'm open-minded to that i'm sure the ceo of school is listening in and thinking <laughs> right well where can we send him okay let's talk about stuff outside of work so what do you enjoy most away from the office outdoorsy stuff Outdoorsy stuff. Outdoorsy stuff. So um, not on a motorbike, please. There's two things that my wife has told me that I'm not allowed to do, which is quite quite good actually. I need only two things, but one one is to climb Mount Everest because she uh, is certain that I would perish, <laughs> and the other one is to to have a motorbike because she's also certain that I I would perish, and I'm quite confident I would probably perish too. But we need to get Martin Clark round to the house. Get your <laughs> get your missus on the back of his bike and she might change your change her mind. Well I'm I'm quite happy to sit on the back of Martin's Harley if that's what he's he's driving <laughs> these days. With his golf clubs of course. If there's room, if there's yeah. room, yes. I'm not a huge golfer. But yeah, I like the outdoor lifestyle. So you know I've been lucky enough to climb a few mountains over the years. The knees aren't quite what they were and there's a little bit more timber to lug around but you know I do like to climb a mountain and outside of work family stuff uh, Covid's actually been really good for me in a way and that it's enabled me to spend quality time with the family and I don't you know I don't think that should be kind of undervalued it's a huge privilege to be able to do that and then you know I've, I've got some voluntary work that I do I'm a Samaritan which I've been doing for about a year and a half now which is great because I've always um, had an interest in sort of psychology, mm. mental health issues, stuff like that, and um, that's a great role, you know, to know that you're helping people. I might need to chat to you afterwards. I think we I spoke might, before, Barry. Yeah, didn't we? I might need some advice. No, but I mean that—that's incredibly worthy, and you know, I'm sure you're fantastic at that. So, no, that is that is great to hear. Let's do the quick test, okay? Please don't do what Andrew Walker did from Berkshire Hathaway only a couple of weeks ago. Despite all my advice to the opposite, he still wanted to give me extremely long answers to each question. I'm sure you'll be so much better. So let's go. Rugby or football? Football for the spectacle, rugby for the fans. Oh, an intellectual answer. TV or radio? Netflix.
Actually, I've got to just say, I know I'm not allowed to give long answers, but I find the whole TV thing fascinating because I've got two daughters and neither of them watch TV. They just watch Netflix. And I think the younger generation, the concept of TV where someone determines what time you watch something is alien to them. And I just don't see the future of TV as it is. TV and radio would go TV. That's really interesting. Unfortunately, I just remember when there was only like three channels, <laughs> ITV, BBC One and BBC Two. And at 12 o'clock, you got that little girl's face, you know, on a black and white screen. And you knew if you weren't in bed, you were definitely going to bed then. Okay, where are we? BBC or ITV? No Netflix answer here. So it's either BBC or ITV. BBC. BBC. Meat or veg? Both in large quantities, <laughs> if possible. But You're not going to say veg, are you? <laughs> no, You're going to say meat. It's meat. I'm under pressure. My daughter's a vegetarian. Dear. Under, I don't think she'd find anything I had to say particularly. Just, just in Oh, <laughs> you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. We might have to put it in a little box, bury it underground, and when she's sort of an adult, uh, you, you, she can listen to it. I'm sure she'll uh, appreciate some of the things you said. So, work or holidays? Holidays. Thank God you said that. I mean, I now know officially that we have had somebody who said work first. I'm not going to name that person, but very disappointed that he put work ahead of holidays. It wasn't Martin, was it? I think Andrew Walker's podcast will be coming out shortly. Right. Lloyd's or companies? Well, having done both and enjoyed both, I'm currently with a company, so I'll go with companies. Excellent. And my favourite question, 1980s or 2020s? That's easy. For me, if you'd asked me the best decade out of the whole of history, I would have said the 1980s. Totally. Not for the fashion, but for the... Uh... Totally agree. Totally agree. I feel really sorry for John Sargent, who couldn't remember the 1980s because he hadn't been born or something ridiculous. Is that what he told you? Well, that's what he told me, but you're going to tell me he's a little bit older than he <laughs> p- pretended. Okay. I've marked his card. And finally, Harley or Porsche? Well, as I said, I'm not allowed to ride a motorbike and I've never <laughs> ridden a motorbike, so it'll have to be a Porsche. Although I haven't said that, I've never been in a Porsche. Yeah, I've um, got a vision of you on the back of a motorcycle with Martin Clark now. I mean, you know, I, I'm a bit worried for all the other road users and you probably cause a lot of damage to something if you crashed into it. But I can see the two of you. You know, we've got the hairy bikers doing their food tour. Maybe you can do the hairy bikers claims tour. That would be interesting. Okay, as my wild and wacky uh, dream session must now finish, <laughs> let's ask that final question, which is, if you'd not ended up in insurance, what ideally would you have had as a career now you know what you know about life? Now I know what I know about life. There's three areas I would possibly go into, I guess. The psychology area, I find that fascinating, human psychology. So maybe something like a a psychiatrist or a psychologist or something along those lines. Uh, On the outdoorsy front, I have a terrible sense of direction, but um, a mountain guide. We can't go too far wrong with a mountain. It's over there. It's the tall thing. (laughs) And then lastly, I always wanted to be when I was a young man, I had or I had thoughts about doing it. A police officer. Well, the flying squad. Um, but you never know. Maybe it's not too late for that. But, uh, maybe, maybe. Well, I'm in awe of what you've achieved in your career today. I know, as I said earlier, there's plenty of gas left in the tank. It has been great fun having you with me this morning. And I do wish you every continued success at, at school, Rob. So great to see you. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. A real pleasure and, and good to see you. Thanks for having yeah. me. 